Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. feels like we've been at church. Amen. This is really good. This is, this is good for the church family to come together and to, to pray for one another and to sing together, to lift our voices as one voice and to worship um, God together. Um, I, I've been listening to, um, I, I listened to a podcast recently. The interviewer was interviewing Pastor Brent, who was a pastor here for the interim time before I came one of the things he says is that we are shaped by what we do in worship, the, the rhythm that we have and the routine that we have. I hope that as we lift up our young people in prayer that we're shaped by that. It's not just a Sunday morning thing, but this is something that we do. This is part of the people that we are. Um, and so it's so good to, to lift up um, people in prayer um, and to be church family together. Uh, today is Family Sunday, which means we have uh, the kids in service with us. We're not dismissing them to Kids Church. Um, and uh, they have a little kids moment bag, but I want you to hold on to that. I don't want you to open that. We're going to save that for a little bit later. Um, but what I do want to say is, it's okay, Caden, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> what I do want to say is that means we're going to have noises of little kids in the service. And uh, we, we welcome that. We're, we're excited about that. Um, if you're a parent that gets a little self-conscious, as I am, I want to give you freedom that it's okay. There's nobody in this place that minds those little extra noises when our kids are with us. Amen? All right. Good stuff. Well, he is risen. He is risen indeed. This is the sixth Sunday of Easter. We have arrived. We are in the season of Eastertide. Easter doesn't end after Easter. There's a whole season of Easter. It lasts for seven weeks beyond Easter and leads us up to Pentecost Sunday, which will happen um, June 5th. We can proclaim the Lord is risen every Sunday we meet. Amen? He's the reason that we meet. He's the object of our worship. Uh, and so we continue celebrating here on the sixth Sunday of this Eastertide uh, season. We continue in this Eastertide journey this week following the, the, first, lec- the first reading from the lectionary, um, all which normally, the first reading normally comes from the Old Testament, but in the season of Eastertide, it comes from the book of Acts. Um, early on in, in Acts, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we were told that the disciples would be witnesses. And there was the author of the text kind of gave a, a progression. He said, first in Jerusalem, then in all Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. 
Um, and it's here, kind of, here, the, the, the reading today is where we kind of break in upon the ends of the earth um, for the people uh, who worshiped Jesus and were followers of the way. So I'm going to invite you today to turn uh, in Scripture with your Bible, if you have your Bible with you or on your phone, it's okay. Um, but uh, it's good to, for me sometimes to, to pull out the book and feel the pages. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to be reading from today. Um, Acts chapter 16, starting in verse uh, number 9 uh, and continuing on through verse 15. For those of you who are willing and able, would you please stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word as I read from Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 9. A vision of a man from Macedonia came to Paul during the night. He stood urging Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. Immediately after he saw the vision, we prepared to leave for the province of Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We sailed from Troas straight for Samothrace and came to Neapolis the following day. From there, we went to Philippi, a city of Macedonia's first district and a Roman colony. We stayed in that city several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the riverbank, where we thought there might be a place for prayer. We sat down and began to talk with the women who had gathered. One of those women was Lydia, a Gentile God-worshipper from the city of Thyatira, a dealer in purple cloth. As she listened, the Lord enabled her to embrace Paul's message. Once she and her household were baptized, she urged, Now that you have decided that I am a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. So here we have kind of this this continuation of the process that we've watched through these weeks since Easter. The spread of the gospel is, is clearly evident. Word is getting out about Jesus. Word is getting out about the risen Jesus. Certainly there's a character that, that kind of has helped this progression along, that, that kind of becomes central. The, the, the man who started as Saul and who became Paul is a central figure here. If you think back to early on, the, the, the words started getting out in Jerusalem. That's where the disciples were. But Scripture is very clear. He was set on persecuting the, the followers of the way, the followers of Jesus, saying, this isn't right, this isn't what we do. He was persecuting the folks in Jerusalem. Because of that persecution, he jailed some, and there were others that were killed. It's likely that that, that, that would be encouragement to say, eh, maybe we need to go somewhere else with this message. Let's get out of town, but let's not forget about this message that we're proclaiming. So it, it spread out to those outlying areas, to Judea and Samaria. Saul, being an intense individual, kind of follows the action. Well, they're going to leave town, I'm going to leave town too. As he does, he sets off for Damascus. uh, And his life is dramatically changed. We talked about that three weeks ago. Um, Dramatically changed into a life that followed after Jesus. And he followed Jesus with as much passion and with as much zeal as he persecuted those who had followed the way. This week, that, that story, that, that arc of, of Saul, who became Paul's journey, kind of comes full circle as Paul is now headed out on one of his missionary journeys that are described 
uh, in Acts. As we start out exploring this text, I want to ask a question. What does it take to get you to move? To take action? What does it take? What, what's a good motivator for you? If you're kind of being, like I, like I sometimes am, if you're kind of being lazy, kind of being a couch potato, what gets you going? What gets you moving? There, there's probably no single way in our lives that, that my wife and I are more different than in this area, okay? Um, she's not here, so I can talk about her and not get in trouble until <laughs> she gets back um, if she watches the video, so we'll, we'll see. Maybe she's joining right now. Who knows? There's no single issue in our lives probably that has caused more, more friction, um, in our, especially early on in our marriage, um, I need a plan. For me, a plan is, is a motivating thing. What's the plan? Where are we headed? What's the point? How do we get there? Don't get me wrong. Spontaneity is fine. Spont- spontaneity is okay. Just tell me those 15 minutes that I'm supposed to be spontaneous, and <laughs> I'm all for it. Well, I mean, we could schedule even 30 minutes would be all right from time to time. That's not how my wife works. That's, that's not my wife. Let's do this. Let's go there. Plan? Who plans? Nobody plans. We got, married in, we got married in college. Class? Who needs to go to class? Chapel? Schedule? We don't need that. She's, she's here for it. She's, she is present. Um, and uh, one of the things that we've come to appreciate about each other um, is, is the contrast that we bring. But... This whole section um, of Scripture where, where Paul is led by this vision into Macedonia. Um, but even prior to that, in verses 6 through 10, Paul's deciding where to go. Um, and Luke, uh, who authored Luke and Acts together, um, is real specific. He has these points, these touch points that, that Paul had thought about going and, and was going to go. And, and it says, the Spirit kept them from going the places that he thought he was supposed to go. It says the Holy Spirit kept them from Asia. He tried Bithynia, but the Spirit wouldn't let them head in that direction. How tuned in was Paul and, and this, this group of people to what God had that led them to this place? And they come to Troas. The Troas is, was a port city on the eastern side of the Aegean Sea. I don't know how your geography is, but I spent time today looking at maps because I wanted to see all these places. Located in, in what's now modern-day Turkey is kind of the western tip of the Asian continent. It goes all the way over um, across the Aegean Sea from Greece. And it's here that Paul has this vision in the night, perhaps a dream of a man. Somehow he knew he was Macedonian, saying, come over, come over to this side and help us. One of the weird questions that I like to ask the text is, how did he know he was Macedonian? Did he have like a Macedonian jersey on or, or you know, what, what, what was that? You know, go soccer team from Macedonia, I don't know. Um, and what communicated this, this urgency? But Paul's like, Paul's like my wife. 
man, he's like, boom, let's get ready. It says immediately, immediately after seeing this vision, let's go. The text says that they, they prepared immediately to get up and go. Why? Because they had concluded that God had called them to proclaim the good news to the people in Macedonia across the Aegean Sea. They just dropped what they were doing. They, they had found their vision. God hadn't let them go this direction. God hadn't let them go this direction. And they came to this port city and they dropped their plans and said, let's go. We're, we're ready. You know, the church needs to be that way. The church needs to be that way, ready to go to the places that God calls us to go. People who, upon the prompting and nudging of God, who make immediate preparation and say, it's time. Let's see what God has for us. People who see and, and have a vision of where the gospel needs to be shared. There's places like that in Mountain Home. There's places like that where we don't have to cross an ocean. We don't have to cross a sea. We might even not even need to cross the street. They see the places where the gospel needs to go. And they go, Paul didn't have to think. Paul had already made up his mind. My answer before I get told is yes. And so they crossed the Aegean Sea, stopping at the island of Samothrace and onto the port city of Neapolis and onto Philippi. One of the interesting things about this second missionary journey of, of Paul is he hits Philippi. He also hits Thessalonica in this journey. He also hits Corinth. Do these names sound familiar? Philippians. First and second Thessalonians, Corinthians. All these were churches that he stopped and started and founded on his journey because he was excited about the call of God and willing to go where God had asked him to go. And in all of these towns began these, these gatherings, just like ours today, where people would come together to, to hear and to worship and to be changed by the Spirit of God and then to be breathed back out into their community. <laughs> How important is Paul's quick obedience? It generated four books of our Bible just on this journey. Not only in this, not only the, the story of his quick obedience in Acts, but also the, the, the letters that he wrote as well. When he gets to Philippi, he breaks his normal custom. Um, normally he would, he would arrive, he would wait for the Sabbath, and he would go to the synagogue um, and start preaching. And people would be impressed by his teaching, and, and there would be kind of this excitement and this energy, and, and they would hear about Jesus. And eventually, <laughs> the synagogue leaders would get angry and be like, you're not teaching the right things, and kick him out. And then they would find a new place to gather, and a church that followed Jesus would keep meeting. And the cycle was repeated time and time again. In Philippi, so the Sabbath comes, and there's evidence that there was no synagogue to go to. Uh, it's likely that there, there was no, no synagogue. Um, Scott Spencer suggests that it, he couldn't find the necessary quorum of 10 Jewish males required to form a formal synagogue. Ten, ten, 10 Jews had to get together, or it wasn't a synagogue. They couldn't get together. They couldn't meet. This is the Europe side of the Aegean Sea. This is in modern-day Greece. Jewish teaching and influence was small and marginal, a little sketchy. 
And so this, this quorum could not be gathered. And so he says, let's go down by the river. Let's see who we find there. At the river, it says a group of women were present, and, and Paul and his companions begin to dialogue with him, with them. And our attention is drawn to the woman of Lydia. What do we know about, about this woman, Lydia? She's from Thyatira. If you're interested, Thyatira is actually back on the Turkey side of the Aegean Sea, um, where Paul had just come from, but for some reason she had migrated over to Philippi. Uh, she was a, a Gentile God worshiper. Now, the text doesn't explain that to us very much. She was not Jewish, and yet it says she worshiped God. She knew who Yahweh was. There had been some influence in her life, some form of explanation about who God was. And she was a worshiper of God. She had heard about God and was faithful to some degree. And it says she was a dealer in purple cloth. I wore my purple shirt to, to compliment the, the, purple, the purple cloth dealer, Lydia, that we're talking about. Purple cloth was, was expensive, like gasoline today. It was expensive, um, meant for royalty. According to, to Thompson, associated with Thyatira, the, the Thyatira had, had been known whether they dyed the fabric there or what. But it was strange. It was strange to have a woman who was in charge of dealing cloth and, and had a household and, and probably a successful business in dealing cloth. And yet, the further we get away from, from the Middle East and, and across this Aegean Sea, this would have been more common for a woman to have had this role and to have this place. But Lydia came to the river and to that conversation with Paul being shaped and guided by God as well. God was involved throughout, right? I mean, there, there, there had to be some way that God brought them together anytime the gospel is spread. God is involved. Paul, I want you to, to go this way, the Spirit leading. Paul wanted to go this way, wanted to go that way, and God led him right to this moment. There's this vision that Paul had to cross, cross the sea, comes time for the Sabbath. He says, where should I go? There's no place of worship. There's no synagogue for me to go and to teach and to have a gathering of people. So he tries the river. In the text, we learn that it says, the Lord enabled her to embrace Paul's message. God was involved and had brought them together and brought them for such a time as this had enabled the whole thing. Upon hearing Paul's message, it, was, it says that Lydia and her household became followers of the way, trusted the message that Paul had to bring, the message about Jesus, his crucifixion and resurrection, this Jesus message. And it says that Lydia got baptized. So now, kids, this is where I'm going to push pause on the sermon and I want you to get your bag out because this is the, the time in the sermon where I wanted to have the kids' moment. So everybody else who doesn't have a bag doesn't get to do this, just the kids do. So um, what we have here, um, and my wife told me how to do this, and I hope I don't mess it up. So what we have here is an almost person. This almost person has a face. 
but nothing else. And so in your, in your cup, you're going to find this almost person and a brown piece of foam that has adhesive on one side. So you're going to peel the, the paper backing off of that. And don't cover up this person's face, but do it on the back side like that. And then fold the bangs over just like that. <laughs> See, it's becoming more of a person already. All right, there we go. Kids, are you with me? Hold up your person with their hair. I know I'm ahead. I knew what I was doing when I started, so it's not really fair. Now, this person doesn't appear to have any clothes, and that's a problem. So we're going to put clothes on her right there. You'll see that it's purple. Yeah. And we also want some clothes on her backside as well. So we're going to put the dress, the rest of the dress, on that side. So there we go. We have Lydia right there. She's got a face. She's got hair. She's got bangs. And a purple dress, right? So what did we learn that Lydia did on hearing the word? She decided to get baptized. <laughs> there we go. This is Lydia... And she chose to get baptized. So, there you go, kids. That's your kids' moment. Lydia, who heard the word of Jesus, who, who had the example of Paul, said, I'm in. I want to go all the way. I understand. I want new life with Christ. And I want to make, I want to make that public declaration that I'm following Jesus now. I want to get baptized. Lydia, who was a God worship, God worshiper already, already knew about Yahweh, heard the message, believed the message, and said, I'm going to be baptized. But I'm also taken by the final step of her journey. We don't hear much about Lydia. We have just these few verses. But what did she do at the conclusion of this story? Come to my house. Come set up shop. Come, come to my house. Take up residence. Make this gospel headquarters for Philippi. I want to be involved. I want to be involved in helping spread the message. And it says, she persuaded us. In hearing the message of Christ, Lydia was not content with just this mental agreement. Not content to say, wow, Paul, wow, preacher, good sermon. That was really good. It really spoke to me today. Instead, her message was, this has changed me. This has challenged me. This has reformed me. And I want to be baptized. And then she said, I want to help. Let me help you. She, she almost manipulates them. If you read this, in, in, since you made a believer out of me, please come stay with us. Like, this is your fault, Paul. Come on. Then IV says this way, if you consider me a believer, come and stay. If you, really, if, you, if you see the change in me, if you believe this baptism, come over to my house. Let me be a part of what God's doing in this place because I have neighbors. And I have friends, I have people that I know that need to hear this message today. I find this part of the story so exciting and compelling. Let me join in the mission of the work of God.
I want to do my part. It's kind of an odd text that the lectionary steers us to today. Paul led to, to plan B or plan C by this vision. Vision of a man, by the way. And met by this well-to-do saleswoman of purple cloth. She believes and is baptized and then joins the work of the gospel in the city and the place where she lives. It's one of the, those passages that, as we read it, we can kind of read it and say, wow, that's kind of a cool story, and look what God did. And, but the work that we have to do is, Trent, where do you find yourself in this story? Where do you find yourself in this story? I find myself early on. <laughs> Paul being, being willing to be directed by the Spirit by a vision from God took him across the sea to a new place, a new ministry, a new focus. And I think, Trent, sometimes God has a vision for you. Sometimes you need to tune in and listen and hear and be changed and challenged by the voice of God. Sometimes my plans get in the way. Some of us might find ourselves like Lydia, God-worshipping but still needing to let the Lord enable our embrace of the gospel message. Some of us need to join in on the mission of Christ, saying, God, you've changed me. Now let me join unapologetically, unrelentingly. I want to I step into the participation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wherever you find yourself today, the gospel of Jesus Christ invites us into relationship with God. It's a relationship and a connection that, that changes us and marks us as the people of God together. And one of the most powerful ways that we celebrate that relationship and that connection with God is through the Eucharist. And so as, as we prepare to serve communion today, I'm going to ask those who are prepared to help serve, if they'd please come forward with Pastor Debbie and the praise team, if you could come up as well. This time of, of, of sharing in communion, of sharing in this Eucharistic meal, in, in our tradition is, is open communion. If, if you, like, like Lydia, have never really been able to, to understand, my prayer is that like Lydia, you would, you would pray a prayer and, and, and the Lord would enable your understanding today. Jesus' gospel is simply this. We've all chosen our, way, our own way. We've all chosen our own way, decided that we can, do, we can do life pretty good on our own. We have a tendency to that. And God, through Christ's sacrifice and resurrection on Easter, invites us back into relationship with God through the forgiveness of our sins. If your desire today is to admit and to confess those sins and to walk with God through Jesus Christ all the days of your life, this meal of grace is for you this morning. As we serve communion here, we have three serving stations, two that are kind of up here in the front and one that we set up in the back. As you come forward, if you'd like to receive a piece of bread, just hold out your hands like this and a piece of bread will be placed on your hands and you can dip it in the cup and partake of the elements right then. For some of you who, uh, or for some of us who are still um, 
wanting to be cautious, we do have prepackaged elements, and the person who's holding the juice will also have a bowl of prepackaged elements. You can pick one of those up from, from the bowl and retain, return to your seats and partake of those elements there. Uh, if you have gluten sensitivities, the bread that we serve is, is gluten-free. On the night that Christ was betrayed, right before his death, he gathered with his disciples in an upper room. They were celebrating the Passover meal, and the Passover meal is really scripted and really regimented, but it was during this meal that, that Christ changed things. He took bread, blessed it, and gave thanks for it, and he broke it, giving it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, remember me. Remember the sacrifice that I'm about to make. Likewise, after the meal, he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to each of them, saying, this is my blood, the new covenant, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you share this meal, do so in remembrance of me. That's the tradition that we celebrate. That's the tradition that, that celebrates our relationship and our connection to Christ and what he has done for us. I invite you as members of this congregation, but as members of the church of Jesus Christ today to participate with us in this remembrance of Christ's sacrifice for our lives. The table is set. The invitation is given. As the servers find their places, I invite you, come and dine. Jesus Christ, you are my one desire. You're my whole life. Let me sink deep into your love and to your grace and to live out the life that you're calling me to lead. I'm impressed with Lydia. That's her story. Just take all of me, God. Just take all of me. Jumping into the mission of God. So many want to stand back and, yeah, let me check it out. Yeah, keep, keep a safe distance. I'm not sure what to think of all of this. It's like she heard the voice of Jesus whispering in her ear, not so with you. Go in all the way. Jump in. Amen? May our lives look a little bit like that. For those who are willing and able, I invite you to stand for this morning's benediction. At our place, we extend our hands just as this physical reminder that this benediction is meant for us to receive. So I invite you to just hold out your hands as we pray this prayer. Lord, we worship you today for nudging us in the right direction, just as you did back then. May you help us today to see ourselves in Scripture and to follow after you each day as we head into the world in which we live as agents of your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Don't forget in the Family Center, there's a celebration with cake. I invite you all there. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.